Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Aisha Glover, the VP of Urban Innovation at Audible's Global Center for Urban Development. I have the privilege of serving as the Vice President and Head of Urban Innovation at Audible. Uh, Audible is headquartered in the city of Newark, um, and I'm fortunate enough to still be able to uh, be focused on economic development, innovation, um, and to work within one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, And so what that looks like is really uh, Audible's work in um, maximizing what our social and economic uh, impact is. This is our headquarters city, so we're very intentional and thoughtful about our investments and the role that we play in revitalizing our neighborhood. Wonderful. Okay, so talk to us about, you have a really impressive career. So so talk to us about your, your career journey and why don't we go back to high school and get a sense for who you were in high school and how that sort of um, led you on your way. High school, okay. Uh, we are going way back. So um, in high school, I was um, a student leader within a group called Peer Mediation. It was a conflict resolution um, program. And uh, it was really interesting to do that work um, with my peers um, and alongside, you know, debate team members and uh, athletes, uh, just a really great cross-section of students um, from ninth to the 12th grade. Um, and, you know, we were doing this work um, from 90, 1990 to 94, so I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, and um, in, in the early 90s, if you think about some of the racial tension um, in, in communities, like Brooklyn, near Howard Beach, the school was in Bensonhurst. There were, you know, headlines on, um, you know, police brutality and um, really intense um, cases of racial-led violence, including the death of Yousef Hawkins. And so the timing of being in a school that was pushing for integration those years Um, And then the role that violence and mediation played, it was a really interesting time for me to be there and um, a level of exposure and uh, an opportunity to really create change. Um, And so our work within peer mediation and conflict resolution um, brought me to the United Nations um, and I was the UN Youth of the Year in 1994 um, and, you know, had that proud mom who like, cut the article out of the Daily News and it's in my uh, photo album and yearbook and all that good stuff. Um, But I came from a very progressive and politically active um, and community-minded family. Uh, I went to college and I majored in sociology and political science. I had this dream of changing the system. Um, And, you know, one thing kind of led to another and that really brought me to um, economic justice and social justice work um, and kind of found my sweet spot within within that space and focus specifically on economic development because re- I really wanted to lean into what access and opportunity can look like. Um, and I, I really got my sea legs at the Brooklyn Navy Yard Development Corporation, 
Um, and it was just a phenomenal opportunity to um, really help bridge this engine of activity and commerce in Brooklyn um, with the surrounding community right outside of its gates where three major public housing complexes and a really diverse community. And so um, my work in heading up external affairs was to really help bridge the two. Um, and so I was working directly with small business owners within the Brooklyn Navy Yard, working with the community outside. Um, and it was just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal experience and laid the groundwork for um, the type of community-focused economic development work that I would, you know, go on to lead for the next 15 years. And so that seemed like an, an amazing experience uh, because that was part of the redevelopment, right, of Brooklyn, right? And and it, it went from, you know, uh, not the hot spot that it is today to the hot spot, right? Was you were sort of part of that process, right? I was, and then so you know, there there's there are things happening today that I was working on when I left in 2015, right? So it's it's one, it's very eye opening, just and a and a stark reminder that economic development is definitely the has a long runway, um, but it also like is a is a reminder that your actions today have impact ramifications, both positive and negative for years to come. And so to be very deliberate in what that approach is and what that approach looks like. Um, one very quick example um, is that um, we worked to open up the Brooklyn Navy Yard. It was like this walled off 300 acre industrial park, kind of cool. Maybe some people went dumpster diving, artists, but mostly old school manufacturers, traditional warehousing. Um, and we happened to land a really large um, uh, film studio. I'm clearly oversimplifying, right? Um, but um, it, it was a bit of a mystery. Um, and so we we really set out, and when I say we, um, I had the privilege of working closely with the then president and CEO, um, Andrew Kimball within the Bloomberg administration um, we really had the opportunity to open the walls. Um, we created an exhibition and visitor center, essentially a, a museum, um, offering for the first time public tours, educational programs. We put our employment center there to help local folks get jobs. Um, and so that that really became my North Star for, oh, this is really how this, this work is meant to be done, focused on small businesses and entrepreneurs kind of blending old and new, um, making sure that you're doing it for the benefit of people that live in the communities in which places like this have an impact. Um, and so it was it was awesome to kind of help lead the groundwork um, that that is the Navy Yard today, which is called this national model, right? Um, that doesn't just happen, it has to be curated um, and it has to be programmed in a way that's respectful of the past, who was there, what their contributions were, so that way they don't get pushed out, you know, um, in hopes of getting some shiny new object. Right. And so that's why you were recruited, the rock star that you are, were recruited to Newark, right, which has historically been struggling and needs some of that, you know, um, that energy uh, to rebuild and, and become a a hub, a hotspot like Brooklyn. Is that why you were brought in? And, and tell us some of your 
So the uh, quick point of clarity, and everyone always assumes I was recruited. I came to Newark on purpose. I came here um, because I saw the opportunity um, having worked in the Navy Yard, 300 acres, and it's almost like its own little mini city. Um, I was living in Jersey and commuting to Brooklyn, and I had my eye on Newark for quite some time. I was following the Brookings Institute and Bruce Katz, um, had the opportunity to meet him a few times, give him a tour of the yard, and, and they had done um, some work in Newark. And so I had my eye on the city like, what's going on over there? Um, and the mayor seemed like a phenomenal leader. So I came to Newark on purpose um, and I had the privilege of initially overseeing um, all of manufacturing and tech for the city within the city's economic development corporation. And then I shortly thereafter became the uh, CEO. So I drank the Kool-Aid, I bought in, I'm all in, um, I'm not leaving. I keep joking that even as I change jobs um, since I've uh, arrived in Newark, it's really just always been focused on economic development and what we can do to help catalyze the revitalization. Right. And you've done a great job so far, but so much to do, right? This is a long journey, as you said. You have to be patient sure. here. Um, so what were some of the lessons you learned from your, from particularly the Navy Yards that you brought to, to Jersey and to, to Newark? Sure. I think one, um, one big lesson is this, is making sure that you're thinking about a sense of place. Like sometimes um, uh, within economic development, like old school and traditional approaches is like, we can have one big fix, right? If we just landed this company or we just had this solution and the Navy Yard actually went through that. Um, it closed as a shipbuilding and naval facility in 1966. And there were so many stops and starts where maybe we can relocate the garment industry. Maybe we can um, uh, uh, do um, uh, car manufacturing. There were all of these attempts to create these big fixes. And it wasn't until um, that, that right combination of smaller light manufacturers, artisanal manufacturers, niche manufacturers, um, some of the companies that are at the intersection of design, manufacturing, and technology, um, artists and artisans who were being pushed out from other neighborhoods, they found their sweet spot, and then we nurtured that. And we started to be very thoughtful and intentional about how we can program, design, and curate that. And um, that was a big lesson learned for me and coming to Newark, this, you know, despite the fact that I helped to lead the bid to attract Amazon to the city of Newark. Other than that, there's all these, you know, other benefits and reasons and thinking behind that particular effort. But for the most part, we have really zeroed in on, you know, a concept of localism, going small, shopping small, supporting small businesses and entrepreneurs and startups. And that's one of the things I have the privilege of helping um, to lead in, the, in um, uh, at Audible um, is really helping to build the, the tech and innovation ecosystem. And we're focused on early stage startups. We're focused on um, uh, founders of color, women founders. We're not focused on landing the other next big company. We're focused on who can be the next Audible, right? Are there smaller companies out there that like we were when we relocated and, and came to 
when Audible came to the city of Newark in 2007 with 100 employees, and now we have thousands of employees all over the world, right? And so the, the thinking behind the creation of Newark Venture Partners, the thinking behind our approach now in trying to continue to grow the tech and innovation ecosystem is who are those uh, early stage founders and startups that we can attract bring to the city or invest in locally that are already here. So is that combination of organic and inorganic um, and hopefully support them um, in a way that can help them become the next Audible. That's great. Well, well, and you've been doing such a great job so far. And, and then Newark Venture Partners has been very successful so far. And I know you're building on that success That's with right. some programs, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and leveraging our own talent at Audible to match them with founders and thinking about what additional supports they need from a business development, marketing, legal, finance perspective. So we do um, we have a, a bit of a culture of, of service within Audible. We call it Activate Caring. Um, and it's a it is a, a people principle. I never thought I'd be working for a big company to, reciting what our corporate principles are, but here I am. Um, and that's because it's like truly part of our of our DNA. Um, and so that within that culture of service called Activate Caring, um, we have employees that are looking for these opportunities, and it's a perfect way for us to um, kind of connect them with the companies that we're helping to bring in. That's great. And and one of those, um, the, you have several initiatives, uh, but I know one that was really interesting is that you help pay for, this is for the employees, I think you pay for, you help subsidize the rent if they live yeah. in Newark. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, we're, we the way that Audible thinks about our role is where we don't want to kind of subscribe to traditional or status quo philanthropy. And so um, what that looks like is a range of programs, initiatives, undertakings, um, and interventions, um, and looking within our own employee base. So the one of the ways to maximize our local economic um, uh, footprint is to ensure that we have employees who live within the city of Newark. So that means that we're recruiting Newark residents, so you get that organic talent, and that we're also incentivizing our own employees to live locally. So it's not just this kind of in and out, I just go to work and then I go home. Um, and so we, we're incentivizing them to live within the city and we give them $500 a month um, in, um, in a housing subsidy. That's great. And has that been a success? So, I mean, that's probably something that's been replicated by other companies around the country. Is that right? Yeah, we've had hundreds of employees that have um, chosen to um, uh, live in the city of Newark. And um, I think it's uh, nearly 70% of them moved specifically because of this program. Um, and so that's, you know, that those are the types of innovative and creative solutions that we're dreaming up on our own, that we're learning, you know, from outside of our company, from other countries, from, you know, other innovative spaces. Um, and that that's one of the things I enjoy about working at Audible. It's not this, you know, kind of boxed in what corporations typically think of as philanthropy or volunteerism. We're trying to make sure that we go deep. Yeah, no, it's you guys, again, doing some really neat stuff. Um, 
One of those neat programs and impactful programs is the uh, Newark Working Kitchens. Can you explain um, a little bit about that for those who are not familiar? Sure. So we stood the program. Uh, we stood up Newark Working Kitchens in April of 2020, um, and it was an immediate kind of COVID response. We built off of um, uh, celebrity chef Jose Andres' um, World Central Kitchens, um, also teamed up with um, uh, Marcus Samuelson. So we took that model that's typically going into countries or areas post-disaster and they're trying to, you know, um, uh, quickly mobilize food and food distribution. Um, and so with that, we created Newark Working Kitchens, where essentially what we do is we um, uh, procured a certain number of meals every week from local restaurants. So we're talking several hundred meals every week, um, nearly 40 restaurants across the city. Um, and then we distributed those meals across the city to, to um, some of the most vulnerable populations. Um, and so at face value, it looks like food relief, but if you dig deeper, we were very targeted and intentional around which restaurants locally owned and operated, over 50% of them were minority or women owned. Um, and what that means is they had a higher percentage of um, Newark residents who are working there. Um, and so you can begin to see how that dollar um, stays in the community and then gets circulated within the community. Um, the majority of the employees are um, women, female heads of households. Again, you can really see the, the multiplier effect of retaining those jobs. So we all collectively dealt a blow to um, uh, the restaurant industry, retail industry, businesses overall, but particularly restaurant industry was hit very hard um, by our collective absence, right? And so we wanted to um, uh, make sure that we didn't lose ground with new businesses that had, had opened and kind of the economic gains that the city had made. Um, and so this was a little bit of a fail-safe measure for us to say, let's step up and plug in keep these businesses <clears throat> lights on, doors open, make sure they retain these jobs. And then for the meals that they're preparing, they get distributed to some of the most vulnerable populations that were hit the hardest um, during COVID. And so it was like a really a win-win-win situation across the board. Uh, we've been able to distribute over 1.5 million meals. We funded and fundraised $15 million. The program still runs today. It's no longer an immediate response, but these businesses have still been impacted. We're still all on hybrid schedules. Um, this, this, you know, Schools only just reopened again last year. Um, and so it doesn't just happen overnight that they have full recovery. And so there is still a need um, uh, to to kind of step in and and make sure that we're keeping the lights on and and keeping these jobs. I think that is such an elegant, uh, thoughtful program, and and I think that it will persist actually uh, beyond COVID because these restaurants with hybrid are just not getting the foot traffic. So it really is, yeah. uh, you know, very important for sustainability of these, you know, main streets restaurants, right? For sure, for sure. So, all right. So what else uh, are you working on? I know there's a number of initiatives. So you tell me what you're, you're, you're excited about as far as other economic development initiatives that you guys are working on. 
So yeah, super excited about, you know, all the work in, in trying to bring in more businesses and not just in the tech and innovation space, but we're, we're also zeroing in on um, entertainment and dining um, to create more of a sense of place. Um, and, and, you know, I hate to use the word place making, maybe place celebration. Um, I'm stealing that from someone, maybe it was the APA. Um, but you know, don't want to sound like there is not already a place. There is, there's a, a community, a city, um, and we're trying to be additive. Um, and so super excited to be um, really zeroing in on other retail and dining and amenities we can bring. And we've invested heavily into the newly named Tubman Park, um, where yesterday Audible and the city of Newark were fortunate enough to unveil a new um, Harriet Tubman monument, um, which is just beautiful and breathtaking in and of itself. But we had the benefit of adding a full audio immersive experience um, called Monumental that's narrated by Queen Latifah, a Newark native, and written by Pia Wilson, another Newark native. Um, and so you can see how we're starting to really think about all of this work full circle, right? It's not just a program here. It's like, how do we... Um, make sure we um, uh, design this in a way that feels um, natural and authentic. And so engaging the community, getting feedback, hiring locally, bringing on local artists. Um, we can't do all this on our own. So we're, we're, we're making sure that we have the right folks at the table to create something that's unique and innovative, but that also feels different. So we're not just in any town USA. Newark is Newark, and it needs to make sure that it, you know, maintains a certain level of creativity, of authenticity, of grit, uh, of of you know, it just feeling like it's coming from the, not this corporate prescriptive solution and what you know a place looks or feels like, um, you know. And as storytellers, I think it's kind of natural for Audible to take on some of this work collaboratively because we're in the business of sharing stories, of telling stories, of, of understanding the narrative that we want to collectively create and share. So um, that, that's been fun to kind of zero in, zero in on our corporate headquarters city. Yeah. And I was at that wonderful celebration yesterday of the unveiling of the monument and it really was spectacular. And and, you know, however unique Newark is, some of these projects, all the ones we mentioned, are models. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm so excited about things happening in Newark being a model for other cities across the, the country and, and potentially the world in some way. I mean, that, that couldn't be more sort of, uh, laudable, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, appreciated, right? Uh, and, and, again, setting the pace, that's something special. And that's hard to do. Because there's so many well-funded organizations, companies that are trying to be progressive and 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 interesting, and and for us to have Audible doing this this work is is really neat. And I think that the the audio part of that is really uh, interesting, right? Why shouldn't every monument have an audio for accessibility purposes, for explain explanation purposes? Uh, that seems to make so much sense to to storytell around uh, physical monuments. Yeah. And look, I hope it I hope it does serve as a model and inspire other artists. Um, when the um artist and designer Nina Cook John 
gave her remarks yesterday from our global headquarters at the Innovation Cathedral. She says she is excited for everybody to see it, to feel it, and to hear it. And if you think about like what we mean when we say immersion, it's like really sparking all your senses. Um, it is more accessible and it it just feels different than when you just see something or just touch something um, or just hear it. Uh, and so it was it was really an honor to be able to work on this with with the Audible Studios team to help bring it to life. Um, and I don't, I don't know that the artist uh, thought that, you know, we were going to end up with this shared project because it didn't start out that way. Um, but it ended up that way. And um, everyone is, was just really excited about it. And um, we're hoping that it also brings more people to the neighborhood, to the park, to Newark, to experience it um, and give it the attention and the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure you, there's so many cameras there. So I'm sure you guys have a a, a, a reel, the highlight reel that's going to be amazing. Yes. Really uh, just uh, expand the exposure of it. Absolutely. Very widely because uh, it really was special. So so let's get back to, to Newark in general, right? You've, um, you've come from Brooklyn, but you're living in Jersey. And now you've been in Newark for... A bunch of years now. How how are things progressing for the city? Obviously, there's so much uh, investment going on. Uh, how are you viewing things um, these days, uh, especially post COVID? You know, as we're still sort of struggling out of this pandemic. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Look, I'm cautiously optimistic. I tend to, you know, kind of lean on the side of optimism and, and be hopeful anyway, but um, I am a realist and I know what feedback I continue to get. I know what I see along retail corridors in terms of vacancy. I know what I read in terms of some of the economic trends in the city. And so I think that's why the balance of both organic and inorganic is so key. I think that's why the focus on small um, businesses, um, emerging entrepreneurs, early stage startups is also key because we're not going to get, you know, the one or two big fixes. So um, I I am hopeful, but I also know that the way that we respond now and have responded over the last year or two is really going to dictate what happens you know, five years from now and 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 well into the future. And I'm reminded of that because of what I see at the Brooklyn Navy Yard and what we were thinking at that time that has started to kind of, you know, um, materialize over the last few years. It's really interesting because um, where the Navy Yard is, is a, a food desert or had been when we had started this search for a supermarket. It was going to be the first time that we were bringing retail into the Navy Yard, which was zoned and is zoned industrial. Um, you know, definitely committed to never doing residential, um, but the retail would help subsidize the upper floors of industrial on a, a pretty large scale supermarket. So we were responding to the needs of the community at that time and the community's requests and demand for better food and fresh produce. 
And it's really interesting to see how much there's been a boom in the residential development surrounding the yard. So it just so happens that by the time the Wegmans, it was the Wegmans, the first in New York City, um, but by the time it finally opened, you know, then you're also seeing all this new housing. Um, so when I think about Newark and what we're doing now and trying to curate now, I know that, you know, there's a lot of different pieces and a lot of different levers, but the goal is really, as we think about bringing in um, uh, more startups and building this tech and innovation ecosystem, who's already doing these events and, and curating these parties and spaces and meetups and connects? And how do we also invest in them so that they're growing and part of this? How do we make sure that we take programs like Live Local that we offer for Audible employees and actually extend that to some of the small businesses we're bringing in? Because we don't want to contribute to um, you know, the same perpetuation of people just come into work and leave. We want to make sure that people are really invested and brought into the city and that the city is yielding the highest benefit from their presence, right? So um, there's, it's not an exact science by any stretch of the imagination. It's a little, little bit or a lot of bit of art. Um, but I, I am hopeful because I know that what we're trying to do alongside the city and, and uh, of Newark and the administration and others is um, really something that has not been done in the entire country. There's no city that has successfully developed without gentrification and displacement. And so leading from that lens of equity and saying we can do this right um, by you know, having these protections and measures and being very thoughtful about who it is that we're trying to invest in, um, we're hoping that that results in something that has not yet happened in the entire country. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great goal. And it's going to be remarkable when it's done because I'm sure you'll accomplish it. But um, I hope so. Knock on wood. <laughs> speaking of, you know, just looking back in your tenure in the city, have there been missed opportunities or anything that you wished you had done differently uh, in, in all, all of your jobs? Oh, um, I don't I don't know that I I would look at anything as a missed opportunity, I guess. You know, there have, there have certainly been some hard lessons learned. Um, I think everybody can get caught up in the, we got to deliver, we got to move fast, we got to invent without checking that a little bit and making sure that um, the, the reasons are the right reasons and that there are never any sacrifices and... Um, you know, um, what it is that you're trying to achieve, especially from a equitable development lens. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that there's been any misses. There's just been constant um, reaffirmation of what type of um, experience and what type of benefit is it that we're really trying to provide? How are we trying to move the needle forward? So there's lesson learned and like, okay, maybe that didn't work very well, or maybe we could have did it that way. But that I think is just, it continues to move us forward towards, <clears throat> you know, the types of programs that we want to offer, the types of legislation that we might want to advocate around and say, you know what, it's not okay for these property owners just to be sitting on 
property without developing it or you know what maybe we can better incentivize this small local business to take on another location if we subsidize their rent for the first year which is something that audible is doing um so i think it, it's mostly just been lessons learned um within the city to try to get us that much closer to you know the city we all envision one that's like thriving that residents can benefit from, that people are like, oh, okay, this is for me and not for someone else, um, and and really shift perception around the role that a corporation can play as an anchor. So um, I'm I'm excited about the potential. That's great. You know, toward the end of our conversations, we usually ask for just one thing. So my question for you is, What's just one tip for leaders who are uh, seeking to create an engaged uh, community? I would say um, don't be afraid of the gut check. You know, uh, sometimes we just develop this this goal and we're like, all right, we're good. Let's charge ahead. Um, and we continue to talk to each other and the same people over and over in the same circles. And you good? That's a good idea. And there's like a lot of ego stroking and this must be brilliant, right? So don't be afraid of the gut check and the kind of step outside of who you normally check in with um, to, to keep you honest. That's great advice. And then uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. But we usually end with a poem or a quote or a saying. So Aisha, what would you like to share with us today? So um, by, I'm half Puerto Rican and half Black. My, mo my mother identifies as Afro-Latina. Um, and so she there's a, a quote that she used to share with my, my brother and I a few times, which I think her mother used to share with her. Um, it's in Spanish, but I'll say it in English, which is like, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Um, and it's just a, a reminder of um, making sure that people around you um, share similar values. It doesn't mean that you all have to think the same or go about things the same way, but that your your closest people are reflections of who you really are as a person. Got it. That's great advice. A great saying. Um, so this has been great. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.